Hey, really quick before we get started, please remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Feel free to check me out on my website, rhitch.com. I have a lot of great PDFs, white papers, past recordings of webinars, lots of valuable information for you to follow up on. And as always, please give the show a rating as I appreciate your feedback. Hello, and welcome back to the Financial Breakaway Podcast, where I try to take confusing personal financial planning topics and try to break them down into plain English for the everyday person. My hope is that these conversations will help you break away from your own financial confusion and end up on the right path to reaching your financial goals. I am Ryan Hitchcock. I am your host, and I am a financial planner with High Point Capital Group out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, I have a great episode today. I was really excited about it as I have an amazing guest, Josh Delaney, founder of Fab CBD, one of the most recognized and leading CBD e-commerce retailers out there. Now, CBD is a natural substance obtained from hemp plants used for wellness, and it does that without any psychoactive or intoxicating effects. So at Fab, they sell CBD oils, gummies, creams, salve, dog treats, superfoods, you name it, and they do that all through their e-commerce site at fabcbd.com. Now, in 2021... Josh sold 80% of Fab CBD to High Tide Inc., which is a Alberta, Canada-based cannabis corporation and trades in Canada and the U.S., and here in the U.S. on the NASDAQ under ticker symbol HITI. He sold that 80% for a whopping $12.5 million in cash and $8 million in high tide stock. So an amazing sum. Um, Together, they also have a put and call options on the remaining 20% for another two years. So this is an amazing feat. And, you know, congratulations again to him on this uh, being that he only started the company in 2017 as well. So we talk a little bit about that. However, I wanted to pick his brain on the industry as a whole. It's a very interesting industry. Um, and a lot of things going on. I wanted to see where he sees the industry going. Um, Things like who are the end users and where are these end users going and are they growing, including pets, as I mentioned. I wanted to know his connection to the cannabis industry, um, him being the CBD industry, being uh, the cannabis industry beyond the obvious similarities. I mean, CBD is federally legal while cannabis is still not fully federally legal. So they get lumped in together, especially in the public markets, and I wanted to get his take on that and, and see if they really should be thought about as the same. Um, I wanted to get his uh, feedback on his connection with High Tide now, and this is just a, a few things we talked about. We talked about so, so much more, and I know you'll gain a lot from this, so I hope you enjoy Now, everything said in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions alone. All statements regarding companies are strictly beliefs or points of view held by myself or Josh and not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any securities. Myself or Josh may or may not maintain positions and securities discussed as well. All right, so let's get into it. All right, welcome to this episode, and I'm um, looking forward to continue the conversation on thematic investing. 
And today we're going to talk about the CBD industry. So I've really been looking forward to this conversation um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's a, a very interesting topic and, um, you know, there's a lot of fun things going on in that industry. And then two, I have a, an amazing guest. So this guest is one of the biggest names, I'd probably say now in the CBD industry. So I know we're going to learn a lot from you. We have uh, Josh Delaney here. He was the owner and founder of Fab CBD. How you doing, Josh? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, being on. Really appreciate it. So, um, so Josh, I'd like to jump kind of right into it here. And before I turn it over to you, just give me a, a minute or two. Let me just remind people kind of why I brought you on. I'd like to throw out some facts on the industry too, just to kind of get us started. And then I'll turn it over to you. So again, just as a reminder, you know, we're having this conversation about thematic investing and um, you know, I like thematic investing and it's, it's this, this concept of focused investments on certain industries, certain products, certain technologies or geographies um, out there. And it's, however, our industry is really kind of creating this buzzword around quote unquote thematic investing. Um, so I wanted to make these series, make these, these episodes on specific industries. I like um, specific industries, I think have a lot of growth potential, but really dig deeper and interview experts in these industries. So that's why Josh gracefully accepted, um, this conversation because CBD is definitely one of those industries. However, everybody just takes it at a high level. Nobody really goes deeper down um, below the surface into what's actually going on in the industry. So that's why I want to have Josh share his experience on what really uh, what's going on there. So I'm um, Josh. So let me just kind of throw some facts at you here. Just some research that I found. So I found this uh, report from this uh, data and cannabis research group called Brightfield Group. So they said in 2020, the CBD market had sales of $4.6 billion. Um, they projected, now this was uh, a 2020 study that they'd have a 15% growth in 2021 to have CBD sales hit $5.3 billion. So I'm not sure exactly what that is that since we're right at the beginning of 2022, maybe you might know better. Um, but what's even more is this Brightfield group expects the sales to reach 16 billion by 2026. So just doing some quick math, that's over a 20% compounded um, rate of return on, on average. Um, they also state that in 2021, online sales is gonna surpass $2 billion. Um, and this is up your alley is, and that's accounting for over 38% of the total, total market. So it's a very big percentage, um, you know, Americans and, and everyone around the world are continue to turn to online shopping during the pandemic, which I'd love to get your take on in a minute. Um, a few more things here. Uh, another research I found from this company called BDSA and ArcView Market Research, they project that the uh, CBD sales in the U.S. will pass 20 billion by 2024. So that's like over a 50% average annual return. Um, so there's this kind of, you know, a lot of growth numbers that are being projected out there, which we can talk about. Some other interesting things I found, like there's uh, currently a number of bills out in Congress right now. Um, that are kind of aimed at the hemp-derived industry. For example, there's the Safe Banking Act, the Hemp and Hemp-Derived CBD Consumer Protection Act. Um, there's a Consumer Safety Act. But why I'm mentioning these is these um, are all bills that will uh, potentially kind of prohibit banks from penalizing people or other banks to servicing legitimate cannabis-related businesses. The, uh, this legislation could pave the way for the FDA to authorize marketing for CBD as a dietary supplement. Um, it's, it's helping the regulation around product quality, all positive things for the industry. Um, a couple other things like 
the CBD was federally approved, or I should say passed into law back in 2018. Cannabis legalization is sweeping North America. There's maybe 16 or 17, 18 states now. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's been legal in Canada since 2018. And, and finally, specific to you, I found Forbes.com. They list Fab CBD in 2020 as the number one for full spectrum CBD. So congrats on that. Sweet. So, um, yeah. So Josh ran a lot of stuff there, which we'll come back to, but, um, but let's get to know you a little bit, uh, Josh, tell me a little bit about your background so people can kind of get caught up. You've had an amazing story, um, of your fab CBD story. Yeah, no doubt. And those, uh, uh those numbers seem crazy to me. I don't know really? where those, I, I know, I know Brightfield, they hit me up every day for stuff. And, uh, I don't know where those numbers come from. Yeah. It's, That's crazy. It's, do they seem um, big, small? I'm curious. They seem, they seem way, way out of reach. Really? We can talk, we can talk about that, but yeah. yeah. I mean, but again, I, maybe there's, you know, I'm, I, I guess part of the story is I'm very much like a head down operator. So I know a lot about what I know about, and I don't know a lot about what I don't know about, you know, I don't know <laughs> what I don't know. So uh, but anyway, yeah, they seem, yeah, no, we'll it seems back crazy to when you talk, when you talk about like the top 10 companies out there and what the revenue is, it's like, it's not even close. Where's, where is, where is $15 billion coming from? Yeah. But anyway, I, um, we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll look it up a yeah. little more, but that's, that's good to know. That's why I have you here. Is, but I'm is, curious. We're all I'm, looking- yeah, I'm genuinely curious. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'm, now I'll probably go look it up. And, and yeah. I'll send you what I found. From. So, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, ironically enough, um, you know, again, I agree with you on the zipping through kind of the cheesy stuff, but uh, I've been online for almost 20 years, like 18 years um, in some capacity, have always um, have always been in sales of some sort. And, uh, and it, you know, first started off with like physical, you know, face to face traditional sales for me. Uh, but quickly moved online when uh, as, as cheesy as it sounds when like MySpace came around. And so when MySpace was out, I was not in college, so I couldn't get on Facebook. I couldn't have a Facebook account. Oh, I didn't right. have an EDU. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, cause I got out of high school, I graduated in 03 and, uh, MySpace and all that hit in the summer of 03. So we were out of high school, so we didn't have any of that stuff. And then I got a cell phone that summer as well. Cause that was my first gig was selling cell phones. So in terms of tech technology, right when cell phones hit, uh, like big and right when uh facebook and my myspace came out couldn't get a facebook account so i had myspace so i started and i was in sales at that time i got my first sales job selling cell phones to be honest i was a big phone retailer uh back then i started okay. learning how to program uh myspace pages for lead That's generation awesome. and so while everyone was getting on there to uh obviously socialize I was getting on there, picking up chicks, socializing and uh, <laughs> recruiting, you know, customers and other sales agents off of MySpace and learned that you could customize your pages with HTML code. And that was kind of like my entry into, hey, there is a world of gathering business on the internet, as crazy as that. And that was, you know, what 18 years ago, whatever it was. Wow. Yeah. So from there, you know, that, that like kind of just organically progressed over the years and got into bigger lead generation, which then got into affiliate marketing. Um, so selling other people's products online, which 
person, my personal life started getting into health and fitness. So I started becoming like a pretty intense gym rat, uh, okay. like during that time. So if I wasn't working on the computer, I was in the gym banging yeah, out gym. weights for hours a day. So I wasn't, it was like, I'm not making any money. The only time I'm not making money every day was when I was in the gym. And so it was kind of like this personal professional crossing of paths where uh, when I started to just be around more and more fitness people that then kind of started to be more biz fitness, business, people, fitness, business, supplement, people, fitness, okay. business, lead generation people. So it, my two worlds kind of collided at one point and, uh, I started doing everything that I was doing online with health and wellness products and health and wellness industry and gyms and just kind of fitness related. So that's, you know, that was probably a decade ago, you know, a little less yeah. than halfway through the career. And then basically from there, again, continued to do affiliate marketing. But now everything I really did was focused on health and wellness. Um, previous to that, it was like SaaS, it was softwares. Like I built a bunch yep. of softwares, webinar software, like before Zoom was out, before GoToWebinar was out, I built a, a webinar software. Um, oh, and really? like, again, before, before Shopify was out and before WooCommerce was really, I mean, WooCommerce was really the only thing that was out there, but before Shopify click funnels, we built, uh, like blog checkout, uh, uh, e-commerce like platforms and stuff. Nothing really ever made it huge. Nothing ever. It was, it was all too early. It was, we had great ideas, but I was really, really early on stuff and just never caught traction. So I did that prior to the health and wellness. And so everything I was doing was like, what we live in today. Up. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it was too early. And that was why I, I kind of ended in health and wellness. It was like, we're being successful. We're coming up with cool stuff. We're learning the internet at a very fast pace and high level, but like, we're just too, we didn't know we were early. We just didn't think people would buy into stuff. And so that was where I was like, ah, let me find something new and the fitness and gym stuff all kicked in. So was a health and wellness affiliate for a while, for years sold other people's supplements online through lead generation and, and uh, paid marketing and stuff like that and uh, SEO. And then okay. finally, after meeting a ton of people in the space and visiting manufacturing facilities and, you know, getting invited to, uh, you know, offices and headquarters and all that kind of stuff all over and say, Hey, you know, you're selling a bunch of our stuff. Why don't you come and hang out, have dinner with us, whatever. I yeah. started to do what anyone would do. And was like, I can do this. Why, you know, why, why am I selling these guys products and making, you know, a 25%, you know, commission or a, a you know, a, a CPA on all of this stuff, a cost for acquisition. Why yeah. don't I just build, build my own products, sell literally a fraction of the volume and make four times as much money or whatever the case may be. Sure. And so um, I started doing my own products and started making my own supplements okay. and started making my own proteins and superfoods and, that fast forward, and that was where I was in the supplement space in 2017 when I got a call about CBD. And, uh, you know, so for me, putting that business together was already in my wheelhouse. I knew supplements, I knew packaging, yeah. bottling, labeling, regulations on supplements, all that kind of stuff. Um, already had the lawyers and the manufacturers and all that kind of stuff. So when CBD came around, it was totally random for me. It was totally out of nowhere. I didn't plan it. I didn't expect it. It was completely, you know, like unsolicited. It was just a buddy of mine, also from Milwaukee, uh, who now lives in Arizona, but he's from Milwaukee. He also has one of the biggest CBD companies in the, in the world right now. Uh, really? So he's the one that actually called me and said, hey, can you help me with this? And I helped him. And uh, we were going to partner together. Uh, but for a couple of differences, we didn't. 
Uh, we're still really good friends and we talk all the time and we kind of laugh and, and say two guys from Milwaukee have two of the biggest CBD brands out there, which is kind of <laughs> that funny. Is very and fun. his, his, his company actually went public as well. Uh, right. So two public, two public two CBD companies, which is fun. From, or I, from, he, he actually went public with his company. I got bought by public. Uh, but yeah. he actually took his company. Took, that's took crazy. I actually didn't public. realize that. That's, that's yeah, very so that, random. Cause what you're yeah, kind of saying is called, you never had this, these big aspirations to create a big CBD company. You just had all these no. random uh, experiences in the um, kind of internet. I industry. was ready for it. Yeah. You were yeah. ready for it and you capitalized. I was ready it, for so. e-commerce. Yeah. Already did that. Already did marketing, already did supplements. And so we had fab up and running in uh, 90 days, or I should say I, I had fab up and running in 90 days, ran it myself for a year, uh, did a couple million bucks and then brought on Emily, who is now like our COO, basically operations director, but she started out answering social emails. And then she started out answering customer service emails. And it was kind of just the things I had other businesses at the time that were doing very well that I ended up selling, uh, during all of this, but she was running one of my other businesses and I paid her part-time to do this. And once I think I got to like 5 million in sales in like a year and a half, um, I was like, Emily, do you want to just like do this full time and I'll sell these other companies, uh, that she worked for and that I had her on payroll. And, uh, she said yes. And that was kind of the catalyst of like, okay, if I got you and this is going somewhere, uh, you know, I'll sell everything else. And then, um, you know, and then we kind of kicked it off. And then uh, one of my best friends, Nate, is our designer. So it was kind of us three in the beginning. And then now it's, you know, then the, you know, the rest of the story is we doubled it and doubled it and then sold 80% of it. And, you know, now we're here today. Well, yeah, and that, that's an amazing story. So let's just kind of end on, on, on this, this sale. Let's not leave that big part out. Cause that's going to be a topic of conversation here. So, you know, you sold 80% of fab to um, high tide. So just give us a little quick update on that. Yeah, we had, um, we were never for sale uh, when it all started. We had seven offers uh, when it came down to it, uh, half of which was like organic uh, that just came to us. So literally sent us emails, asked if we were interested in selling at all. That's how it came about. That's how the whole thing came about. And then as you start getting into the M&A community and the VC community, you realize it's a small, you know, it's a small community. Sure. And so, um, you know, a lot of people knew each other. A lot of companies that were talking to us knew the other companies and vice versa. And, uh, and so by the time we kind of knew what was going on, we had a handful of offers on paper, letters of intent. And then that was about a year. That took about, a, you know, at the end of a year from the first email we got about wanting to, you know, possibly purchase us uh, and flying people out to meet us and run numbers and all of that and kind of building a deck and again, very organically. Sure. Cause we were like, listen guys, we're not for sale. So I don't have a M and a deck for you. And so we kind of built that over time while we were gathering offers and about 12 months into it, we had, uh, I, I don't know, maybe four offers, uh, like physically on paper, wow. um, that were ready, to, ready to be signed. And then I took those four and then actually went to market. And, uh, oh, cause so you were for sale like, to start and then you're like, yeah. okay, let's, let's see what else I got. Yeah. You. So then, then we actually went to market with investment bankers and a uh, broker, which I'll never do bro. I'll never do a broker again. Uh, <laughs> but, um, then we got another three offers based on the fact that we now had seven total and high tide came in at the last minute. I had really? another public, yeah, I had another public company. 
Uh, of the seven, I was ready to dial it down to two. Okay. And then of the two, uh, the best one was another public company that uh, was offering the um, same kind of deal, but it was less cash and it was a longer lockup. And the stock was the, the public company was not as big. Um, okay. It did not have experience in cannabis, but they had experience in e-commerce. Okay. And, uh, and then the, the company before that was a um, private equity company who wanted to sell into a bigger SPAC deal uh, and roll us up into that. But they were offering half of the deal because their promise was on the back end. Back end. And, so you liked uh, and, there, and then, yeah. And, and yeah. those were the, but we had, we had offers that were double what we got from high tide, but were all stock. And, okay. you know, so we had, we had yeah. offers stacked up everywhere, but I, this time around in my place in my career and where our team was, um, I've been working for 18 years at this. And I was, I was like, listen, I'm not interested in anything other than a very large cash uh, split. And because that's just where we're at. This is a cash business. You know, this is yep. very high margins. I want a cash uh, stake. So high tide came in literally I'm supposed to sign a deal Monday. It's been a year and a, and a few months, six offers ready to go with two of them, ready to pick one of them. No way. And high tide came in on Wednesday. I'm supposed to sign on Monday. Oh, I, I meet, I meet Raj on Wednesday. He gets me all my legal calls done by Friday and Raj is the, gets, the CEO of, of yeah, High Raj Tide. Yeah, Raj is the CEO of High Tide. He gets me uh, an, letter, an offer by Saturday. Lawyers work literally 24-7 for this like four-day period on my six other offers plus Raj's seventh from High Tide. They put, you know, they do all the data. They, they run all the numbers. We do all of our, uh, you know, cost analysis on, you know, after taxes, this, that, and the other, yeah. block for fees, the, the broker that brought this deal to the table. Yada, sure. yada, yada, yada. Uh, we actually had some legal issues with the broker, you know, because they had a, we had a problem with them. And so all of this was in like oh, a four man. day period. So just... Sunday night, we agreed and settled and I signed with high tide Monday. So no, for man. a year and a half with six other people, I <laughs> came down with, to four I days. With, <laughs> I, signed, I signed with high tide after knowing them for like five days, but they had, they had a better cash deal. They had a stronger public company. They had all the experience in cannabis. They already had like 80 stores. They had already purchased uh, some of the top other e-commerce sites in cannabis and accessories. You know, they had younger minded uh, people on the team uh, that they were acquiring and they had an appetite for acquiring other companies, uh, which obviously to, you know, in conclusion, this is exactly what happened. You know, I came on yeah. board and then they acquired another like five yeah, other they... companies and they went wow. from zero e-commerce revenue to uh, you know, don't quote me on this, but it, it 50, 60 million, seven, you know, something I'd have to recalculate it, but it's 50, yeah. 60 plus million dollars in e-commerce revenue in six months, uh, you know, is what they've acquired yeah. recently. So it's everybody we're profitable. We're growing quickly. High tide is growth. You know, they went from 80 stores to now, I think they're at like 110 stores in terms of their Canadian cannabis company. Yep. So they've grown since we've got here. Um, you know, and for me, that was, that was what I expected and that's what I wanted. And with, if they were going to give me the cash up front, uh, you know, I was, that was a great deal for me. Well, and that's all. And so, I mean, it's all public information too. So let's share, you know, share what the, you, you had an amazing buyout. Congratulations. So share those numbers with us too. Tell the, tell the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> I think so that's we, uh, exciting. 
we ran three years of um, of uh, P&Ls with them basically to come to the uh, valuation. So we did like two and a half million year one, five, like five and a half million year two and 11 and a half million year three. So we doubled three years in a row. Um, and then uh, uh, our EBITDA on the uh, last year was uh, like four and a half million. Uh, I think it's like 4.3 million was the EBITDA. Okay. And, uh, and so we, in e-commerce, it's anywhere from like six to 10, you know, or maybe five to 10, uh, times EBITDA is going to get, is the multiple that you're going to get okay. if you, if you're doing well. Sure. And so I was looking for like six to eight and I was, I was, uh, okay with taking on the lower end if I got the cash. Sure. And so in my head, that's what I was expecting. Raj came in at uh, six point like two, I think it was, and he threw in the extra two points just to kind of show good faith. Yeah. Um, and I and and then said, I'll give you the cash plus that. So we got uh, like six point two times our like four point three, uh, which was almost like a twenty seven million dollar valuation, which I thought was very fair. Sure. Uh, from both sides, and then um, and uh, we, I got thirteen million in cash plus what was in the bank. Um, prior till then we left a half a million dollars, uh, you know, to operate the business. So we got about 15 million in cash and then, uh, another 8 million in, um, high tide stock. Uh, and that put us at like the second largest shareholder with high tide. There's now there's others that have come in that I think have got sure. more than that. Um, but that was the gist of the deal. So we got a six times valuation. So we sold 80% for about 21 million of that 27 million valuation. Um, and then, uh, you know, that came with a bunch of optionality as well. So we have a put option that we can sell the company back to high tide. We can sell that 20%, that 20%, uh, yeah, between 12 and 24 months, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those are the, those were the important parts of the deal was, uh, was all of that. And then there's a lockup of two years. Uh, but the release of that lockup is six, 12, 18 and 24 months on the stock. Um, you know, so not, and I'm not in too long. Seven, yeah. Yeah. Not terrible you know some of the other deal like what's normal is like three four years yeah um and so for us to get two again those are all a part of the deals i got the cash i got a company that knew what they were doing in cannabis they wanted to acquire more um you know they they just had the personality that i liked uh raj is a bootstrap guy so i really like yeah. that he's, he's a go-getter entrepreneur himself he's not just a public ceo he's he started his company sure kind of in the back in the back of his van so to speak and, you know, grew it to taking it public. So I respected that. Yeah. Um, and then we got the optionality. So it's, it's kind of, you know, there's really no pigeonhole at all. And again, for starting something three years ago, um, three years, you know, this, this is what founders, you know, dream of. So it was, yeah. it was like, yeah, this, this is great. You know, we did it. Well, well, that's an amazing story, man. It's and congratulations. I know, you know, we could talk all day about a bunch of things. You're an amazing entrepreneur, um, you know, founded a bunch of other companies. You're still doing a bunch of other companies, um, charitable giving too, which I want to talk about too. You're amazing at that. So, but let's talk about kind of the CBD, the CBD industry. So, you, you know, great background. Three years only is, is amazing to come to where you're at. Um, my first kind of question, and you kind of answered this, but what really drew you to CBD? other, you know, from the business side, why, what, you know, you had this opportunity come to you, but you still had to see something business-wise to say, Hey, let's, let's jump on this. Um, yeah, it was a few things. Uh, one was, again, I was already in supplements, so it was my wheelhouse. So when, um, my buddy called me and told me that he was building a CBD business, uh, I was actually helping him program a couple pages. I was helping him build a couple pages on his website as a favor, he, that's what he called yeah. me to ask about. And I was, okay. so I was in his website, uh, looking and I'm going, what are you doing here? Like the traffic on this is crazy. <laughs> 
And uh, so that okay, got so me yes. looking at the internet traffic and the Google searches for, you know, this so-called CBD. Sure. That I was not familiar with uh, in terms of its supplemental use. I was familiar with cannabinoids from a broad, broad, you know, term. Um, you know, and the only cannabinoid I knew about was THC, right? So it was yeah. kind of a, I knew, I knew those two things. And so the volume for CBD was starting to climb at a very, very, very bullish rate. And so I saw that, uh, I saw what my buddy was doing. And again, the kind of age old, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. Sure. So yeah, I got a little bit of that going on. I'm seeing the traffic rise. I can build a supplement company in my sleep. And, uh, and so once I started talking to, uh, the manufacturer, so the first call with the manufacturer, uh, that we had found, uh, the margins were just insane. Sure. Uh, you know, the oh, margin wow. was like, it was like 85%, you know, I mean, it was, you know, that's crazy. It was, it was ridiculous. And that was what the market was paying for it. It was unrealized yet. You know, the market didn't know what it wanted to pay for these products yet. Um, and so that was, that's a great time to make money, right. Is, is when the market doesn't know what something should cost yet but they're willing to pay because it's not completely outrageous. Uh, and so that was why I got the interest. I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm, I'm an advocate for cannabis. I like this industry. You know, the margins are crazy. I can get this going in literally a couple of weeks and for, you know, minimal amount of money. I think I've, I was in maybe a hundred grand, a little less than a hundred grand to get the whole thing, you know, completely up and running and, and moving. And so that was the business side was purely, sure. you know, just smart. So economics. You saw some, you but saw again, some, yeah. So you saw behind the scenes yeah. of a website, you, you recognize some of the numbers as a business background. You saw some of the, the profitability that's what yeah. uh, tr triggered you. Okay. Yeah. And from the supplement side, I was like, listen, this, this can be a, if this is what it is supposed to be, you know, this, I can see this being a household product and now it is, you know, so that was, you know, I can, I can see this being a household remedy instead of a lot of other things, uh, which for, you know, medical claim reasons, I won't mention, but it's like it, you know, there's, there's a ton of other stuff people are doing to, uh, you know, find relief and comfort, uh, and, and CBD, I thought I'm like, okay, yeah, if this works, I mean, you're going to have people throwing out a lot of garbage and replacing it with a bottle of CBD. And I like that, that I like that. That is the industry I'm in. So, I'm in the kind of all in one supplement space. I like supplement concepts that have less products that one product that does a lot, just like my other, my other stuff. It's kind of all in one style. So CBD had that, uh, the biz the economics, but it also had kind of the personal mission of like, okay, I believe this, this makes sense yeah. to me. And, and so like, you know, talking high level, like for the everyday person that really doesn't know exactly, you know, the ins and outs of CBD, who are the kind of end users you're seeing now for CBD and potentially, you know, moving forward, if you can share like what you see the growth of that end user being. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, it is mostly like 35 to 60 uh, I would say a little more dominant female to male, uh, oh, you know, active, you know, active, uh, but in, you know, some sort of discomfort, you know, has, has, you know, everyday issues that everyone else has. Again, we're, we're very liable for medical claim type of stuff, but it's, you know, it's, it's usually the 35 to 60 age range um, who takes a lot of other products, you know, who takes a lot of other uh, remedies for their everyday, you know, issues. 
um, that are looking to consolidate those things into one, you know, one product. Uh, and CBD is the product that has popularity to be that thing that can replace a lot of other stuff that someone may take to uh, help some of those issues. Okay. And, and just looking at your website too, I mean, pets are able to use it as well too, right? So that whole industry is opened up to CBD. Yep. Ironically, dogs and cats have the same uh, endocannabinoid system that humans do. And so, um, you know, you can think of the endocannabinoid system as kind of like a, 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 a network of electricity, so to speak. I mean, that's basically what it is, right? Is sure. our body's like network of electricity and all of our receptors are like light switches. And basically what happens is we age and things break down are those light switches start to go off in certain areas. Um, I can no longer move my finger like I used to. That's a signal. A signal's being passed and I, you know, I've got arthritis or something or, you know, there a pain receptor is, is, when it's, when it's really fresh and the electricity is running hot and the light switch can go on and off really well is when we get really, really bad pain signals. When the, when those receptors are uh, mitigated, you know, those pain signals can go away. So CBD is not curing anything. It's not fixing anything. It's, it's not growing the tissue back in your busted knee. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what I mean? It's not doing those things. It is helping with the electricity of those light switches to make sure that they are doing what they should be doing. Uh, and some of those uh, characteristics of different cannabinoids uh, actually will have have an effect that that mitigates, for example, uh, studies have found in the in the sense of pain, you know, it's actually getting the pain receptors to calm down, meaning it's not fixing what's causing the pain. It's just actually having the pain receptors chill out. So you may not feel as much pain. That does not mean that what is causing the pain is fixed or cured. Uh, but you just may not feel as much of that pain because that signal is now transferring differently. Uh, and when you do that, you can decrease inflammation. You know, there's a lot of other natural things that are holistically happening when you can kind of set the body in motion in the right direction. And so CBD's popularity is coming in that. And so it's like the group of people that have more of those types of issues are the ones who are gravitating more towards these products. Okay. No, great insights. Um, so just kind of, you know, throwing questions at you here. So kind of, kind of expanding more on like where you see the growth. Do you um, see some of those like bills in Congress that I mentioned being things that'll help the growth in the industry? Or is there other factors that you see kind of, you know, opening the eyes to more everyday people in in the industry or or what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's all, uh, well, I think it's all going to be bundled with cannabis. You know, at the end of the day, I think no matter whether it's just hemp derived or not, I think the reason why all these bills have to go through so much legislation is the people that are passing these things or not passing these things are, are categorizing it as cannabis anyway, whether we want to say it's, it's, it is cannabis, but whether we want to say it's hemp or it's marijuana, I just don't think we're going to win uh, that many battles of the separation. I think what we're seeing is the, the normalization of just all of cannabis in general. And so banking practices like i've been we've been kicked out of banks multiple times uh you know the, there are banks that would shut down in the middle of the night and we'd have to go and find a new bank and put something else on and you know so things like that i think are going to start to normalize but i think it's going to be the entire cannabis space so maybe cbd a couple of things will happen faster so yes i think it's going to help i think all of these things are in favor of just the cannabis industry as a whole 
Uh, I think CBD and hemp products will just, again, move, they'll move a little quicker. Uh, but it's, it's, I think it's just going to be kind of the industry as a whole is going to start to see more banking, more retail, uh, more internet capabilities. Like we used to not be able to be on Shopify, uh, which is an e-commerce platform. Yeah. Uh, now, now we can go on there, you know, it's all sorts of stuff is starting to come our way of, of normalizing it. You used to not be able to run Facebook ads. Now you can, you know, so it's, it's starting to trickle. So it's making progress just in, in maybe a, a step or two forward, a step back here and there. But yeah, uh, but that's, that's the reason good. it's, the reason it slows down is knuckleheads out there that don't want to like market their products. Right. They want to make all these claims. They want to say stupid stuff. You know, they want to come on podcasts and say that their products cure cancer or something. Stupid. Sure. <laughs> uh, and that is, that is what rightfully. So so some bad apples can ruin F- it. Yeah. It causes the FDA to panic. It causes, uh, you know, the regulators to take a, you know, take a step back and say, hang on a second, you know, is, are we opening a can of worms that, you know, we shouldn't, uh, so rightfully so, you know, there are people yeah. are trying to do their jobs, but it, I think it's all going in the right direction. I think it's all going to be helpful. And I think it's going to happen. I, I don't think there's anything that's not going to happen. Oh, that's good insight. And that, that's kind of good lead way is, is I, you know, from my standpoint on the investment in the investment world and kind of, you know, watching analysts talk or watching things trade, um, uh, you were talking about it being coupled, the CBD industry being coupled with cannabis. And, and there's the obvious, the obvious connection there because it's coming from the, you know, similar or the same, you know, you know better than me, but the same type of a plant, just different derivatives of it. But CBD is federally legal where cannabis is not. And then the trade, if you will, you know, the quote unquote trade in the investment industry kind of lumps them together. And it's been a tough trade throughout the you know handful of years that they've been public companies. Um, so you've kind of answered this already, but I, my, my, always, my big question to you is, do you think that'll always be the case? You kind of said yes, that they'll be coupled together, even though they are technically separate. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the question, is the question in terms of an investment in CBD separate from well, it's just, uh, cannabis? Well, I mean, just do you think like the, the two industries kind of from the invest in the investment spectrum, um, there's two separate industries, but from what I see, but maybe you're saying they're always going to be lumped together. Do you think that they always will be lumped together or in the future, are they going to be separated out? I think they'll always be lumped together from a broad point of view and from a broad, like regulators point of view. Uh, but then again, CBD is always going to have you know, mass retail, it's always going to, you know, it's always going to have things that marijuana uh, sector is not in terms of, well, not every state's going to be legal. Not every state's okay. going to allow stuff or CBD is going to be able to have that approach. Uh, but yes, I think from a broader point of view, it's going to be lumped into all the cannabis laws because now that you have stuff like D8, uh, Delta 8, which is another THC variant, which you can get from hemp derived uh, plants, but can concentrate it at a level that you can get sky high. Okay. And so, there's, there's things that even from hemp have to be regulated because you can't have stay at home Susie going down to the local, uh, you know, Walmart and buying a hemp product that she does not know exactly what it is. And because it's federally legal and it's kind of in this gray zone, she goes home and is, is sky high washing the dishes off of a hemp product that is technically legal. So there's still things like that that have to get sorted out, have to get worked through, have to have to be defined. And until all of those lines are there again, which I think is just by the time it all comes together, it's just going to all be okay. You know what I mean? Sure. I what my opinion. I yeah. think when oh, cannabis starts to spread states, CBD is going to be right there with it anyway, with its own kind of issues happening. But 
Um, but I think it's two different markets, but one like sector, meaning the buyer of, of our products are not the buyer of cannabis products. Right. Sure. And allows so you to be a question of mine. Same, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same sector, which, but two different markets, which I think is what high tide and a lot of the companies that are, you know, acquiring CBD brands, they see that in the cannabis space of, listen, this is, we're not cannibalizing our, our sectors here or our market because our buyers for our cannabis products are not necessarily buyers for our CBD products. You have people that like cannabis, but don't want to have the psychoactive effects. And you have people that like cannabis and they want the psychoactive effects all moving in the same direction, all being looked at by the same regulators, all being sold by a lot They're of not going to go one to the other. They're going to, yeah, but you're, yeah, you're not going to cannibalize, you know, the two markets. Uh, my mom takes my products. My mom is not buying a joint, you know, when uh, Wisconsin goes <laughs> yeah. legal with cannabis or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I think that's good. I think that you have two customer bases in the same sector growing at the same kind of uh, rules and regulations. But again, CBD is always just going to be a little bit ahead of that uh, because sure. of the, you know, hemp derived. So is it fair to say, just kind of hearing you talk that some of this stuff going on legislation wise, um, innovation wise with CBD and cannabis, you know, this is all good things moving the industry towards just more, you know, actually better products and regulated where the, the good companies like yourself is proving to be that are up and up on that are going to be the, the winners of this industry and continue to push it forward and make it more, you know, um, kind of seen in the investment world as, uh, you know, a little bit more stable. Is that fair to say? Uh, any, well, that's an open-ended question. Cause it's yeah. the, the leaders of a lot of industries, uh, that people aren't aware of is, you know, by a lot of affiliate marketing and internet, you know, internet guys, it's like he who holds the traffic holds the, you know, holds the keys to the city. Okay. And, you know, in, in every sector and in every industry, when you go and Google products, uh, you know, 99 out of a hundred pages you land on are paid promotions. Mm-hmm. And so kind of he who holds the ticket to all of that success is going to win. And so it's, you know, it's not always the best product wins anymore. It's, it's the guy who can advertise the best and who can market the best, sadly. Uh, but at the end of the day, all in all, who's, gonna, who's going to stand the test of time? It's the ones that actually have good products, repeat business. Um, you know, like our, our numbers for this year, uh, our repeat customer number grew 20%. Our, um, you know, our average order value grew. Our lifetime value grew. Uh, you know, all of, all of the right numbers for us grew in the right direction in terms of people buying more products more frequently. Um, and, and so although we may not be the highest revenue company, there may be other smaller companies that are beating us in some marketing strategies. You're not going to pass the longevity of companies like fab and, and some of the big guys out there that paved the way the Charlotte's webs and the um, CBD MDs and a lot of the guys that are out there really, you know, trailblazing, um, you know, you're not going to pass them up long-term. You may win in the short term, but yeah, the, the guys that have good products, good teams, good customer service, good science, you know, they're going to be the ones kind of left standing. Um, but that doesn't always mean revenue. You know what I mean? There's guys out there that are making more money than us that you never even heard of because they're crappy products and they're just internet guys and they're blowing about a bunch of ads and 
So it's this, so, the industry still kind of in that phase. Yeah. So no, that's great. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so kind of, kind of on that, and you're, you're talking about this kind of, you know, or when you were talking about this with your, you know, sale to high tide, you had all these, these offers kind of unsolicited. Um, my kind of question then of, I'm thinking about is where do you think these companies, you know, or one is why was there such interest at that time? Um, and then over time, do you think that just everyone's going to be kind of bought up and, and there's going to be just a handful of big players left or, or, or what? Um, I think, well, 2019 uh, was, you know, another double year. So all of the big guys literally doubled in size and it was either good or bad for a lot of companies. You know, I think for us, uh, I stayed very, very lean where a lot of other CBD, a lot of other guys that got into CBD were cannabis guys. And in the cannabis industry, you need a lot of people, you need a lot of labor, you know, you need, you need a lot of hands on deck and there weren't a ton of e-commerce guys in CBD. So our particular strategy was that there was literally only three of us and we scaled a multi eight figure business with a handful of us and we're a very lean operation. I mean, on 11 and a half million, our EBITDA was four, you know, almost four and a half. So yeah, it's like amazing. we were, we were, we were on a 40% net margin, 67, 68% gross margin, uh, you know, on 11 million bucks. And so that was very attractive. And I think the buzz of that got around, um, again, you know, my buddy took his company public, we got purchased, a couple of other brands got purchased. Um, and that, that's, that was just what was happening. It was booming. And, uh, and now I think what you're going to start to see, uh, from, a lot of other brands, because obviously being in, being in it every day, I talk to a lot of other brands and a lot of other guys in the space and they want to now try to sell their companies. Uh, but the challenge for them kind of now that the initial rush of acquisition is over yeah. is now it's kind of the, what, why are you different? I think we got purchased right at the end of the time. That was just, we got purchased because of the buzz. Okay. So and we got wasn't... purchased because of the, because of the craziness of it all. Like yeah. it was just, it was crazy. Kind of a mad and, rush. And, you know, like they, you know, to, to Raj and high tides credit because they were able to pull it off fast because they knew what they were doing and mm -hmm. they were in cannabis, which was why they also could move. And, and Raj was looking at 10 other CBD companies. Um, you know, so for Raj, it wasn't like they made a shotgun decision. They were already looking at, you know, a dozen other CBD companies and a lot of guys that were triple the size of us. Uh, but they weren't as lean as us. They didn't bring as many skill sets to the table. Uh, but I think we kind of came in this chaos part. Now that I think some acquisitions have happened and numbers are out there and people can see what was really going on. I think it's going to slow down a little bit in the acquisitions because people are, they're not as caught up in the craziness anymore. And now they want to buy good businesses. Now they want to buy, now it's kind of not first to market to acquire yeah. and be the popular one. Now it's like, well, hang on a second. A lot of the big guys yeah, have what's already going purchased. On actually, yeah. Now let's actually like see what they're doing, what they can do. And, you know, we've made two acquisitions in the last couple months, which were huge. One of which was blessed uh, CBD, which was the number. He's basically the fab in the UK. Uh, okay. He's called blessed CBD, great marketer, great business owner, ambitious, great team. Uh, and they're killing it in the UK. They're the number one CBD brand in the UK. So now we have position there. Uh, and then we also just acquired new leaf naturals. Uh, for $40 million, which is a stock deal. And they're double our size. They're 20 million in revenue. Uh, they're coming up on like a hundred million total in revenue. They've got 50 employees, phenomenal facility. They do their own packing and shipping and manufacturing. 
Uh, so we're going to be integrating some of our stuff over there, which is going to be phenomenal. But just between the three of us, High Tide acquired, uh, you know, almost 40 million in CBD revenue in six months wow. just on CBD. Uh, and yeah. that's now we're global and we have operations in Amsterdam already from uh, one of the other cannabis companies uh, that we uh, that they acquired years ago. So we now have a footprint of major CBD in the U.S., major CBD in the U.K., uh, you know, cannabis business uh, related business in Amsterdam. And so we now are you know, we have this global footprint now that we can start to work off of or high tide can start to work off of that, uh, you know, for us was kind of we didn't have to buy. Yeah. So my point is, is that I think companies are going to start to look at how can they do more of that type of strategy rather than I think what was going on was let's just buy the hottest brand out there yeah. and see what happens. I think companies are starting to see the high tides make some of these moves and go, okay, maybe we should look at Germany. Maybe we should look at the UK. Maybe we should look at this or that and kind so, of put some stuff together. Yeah. So, so, um, so location is what I'm hearing. So like, you know, global location and, and is it, you know, just uh, kind of going back to are all public like high tides have the mix of CBD and cannabis, or it seems like a lot of them are just cannabis. Is that, especially here in the States, like public companies. So in the States, there are other public companies that have CBD brands. Uh, high tide is, is the only, and they're so like, I think CBD, CBD MD is public, uh, uh, my buddy's company, Pure Can, is public. And then a lot of the other guys are owned by public companies. A lot are owned by the Canadian public companies uh, like High Tide. High Tide went on NASDAQ this year uh, or last year, 2021. And sure. High Tide's the only cannabis retailer on NASDAQ, which is unique. All of the other cannabis companies on NASDAQ are licensed producers. So they are, they're actually producing product. Uh, they have retail brands, but they're actually producing products. So High Tide is strictly a retailer. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see in the cannabis space, what direction do people go? Do people go more retail and buying more brands or they, do they go, uh, do they stay in the back of the house and they buy more manufacturing, they buy more farming, they buy more of the agriculture side? Um, you know, where does the sector start investing in now? Brands? Sure. Or, you know, back of the house, uh, you know, again, license production, extraction, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So. No, that's, that's, that's awesome insight, man. Thank you. Um, so kind of to wrap it up here, kind of two questions, take either one of them or both. Um, what's something you think the general population needs to know about the CBD industry that they just don't or get wrong or, or yeah, just that, what do you think the population gets wrong about it? So um, take it where you want. I think the biggest misconception is that it is, is that it is, it is, they were, I think the biggest misconception is they take it out of the family of, of, or they take it out of like reality. Like the cannabis plant, the hemp plant is a, is a very like human friendly plant product. Our bodies work very, very, very well with cannabinoids way better than a lot of other synthetic compounded stuff we put in our bodies. And I think yeah. the biggest misconception of, of cannabis and then hemp in, you know, take the psychoactive part out and just talk about non-psychoactive hemp products like ours. It gets put into this category. I think of like almost like synthetics or compounds where it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, you know, natural, so to speak. Uh, and I think the, and I think that plays a big part in the investment community and in the longevity of what this is. I mean, 
this this product, this this cannabidiol, uh, you know, this derivative of the marijuana industry, this non-psychoactive derivative has come out in the last four years. And I think people still are looking at it like it's this novelty when in reality, there will be a CBD bottle in everyone's cabinet, just like there's a Tylenol bottle in everyone's cabinet, that old, dirty, the label's half off, you know, cause it's been in there for two years and you, you know, cause you don't take it all the time, but you, but you always have it just when you need it. CBD is that product. It's going to be that product for a long, long, long time. Uh, you know, and I think that's, I think that misconception of like what it actually is and the misconception of what it will be is the big thing that not only consumers are missing out on, because as a consumer, it's like, listen, this works. It doesn't, this isn't like a question of whether this works or not. This stuff works. Yeah. You just have to find the kind of sweet spot for your body, your metabolism. But it's kind of like I relate it to taking a protein shake, like protein works. What a protein cell yeah, does in, in your body uh, does the same in my body. Now, it may outwardly look different to if I increase my protein intake this week and you increase your protein intake this week. The results of what that looks like may look different to both of us because we have different metabolisms. We have different gut health. Uh, we're breaking it down at different rates. But the protein cell is still doing the same thing in my body that it is yours. Cannabis products, hemp-related products, hemp-derived products is the same way. It is doing the same thing in our bodies. It just may look different as a result. So it's, I think, from a bigger investment point of view and companies coming and growing, I think people are still not giving it the big credit that it's, it's going to deserve uh, or that it does deserve. And, I, and it also from a consuming standpoint, consumer standpoint is they're not giving it the credit of like what it actually is. So all that to say is that I think it's here to stay. I think it's, I think it is going to continue to grow. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be competitive because it's an easy market to get into business wise because of the fact that it, you can just guys can grow hemp plants. Like there is, there is an abundance of, of hemp oil out there. Like there, I have people trying to sell us hemp oil every single day to oh, manufacture really? with because you have guys that have 20 acres in their backyard and they're like, I'm going to grow hemp this season. Yeah. And so you just have all this extra hemp. And so the supply and demand fluctuates heavily, but that makes a very investable, you know, market, um, you know, that moves like that. But, uh, but anyway, I think it's here to stay. I think it's underrated. Uh, I think the growth is going to be there. The growth numbers you shot out there are crazy to me, but I do think there is. (laughs) I'll I'll send them over away. But no, yeah. that that's that. I think that last that last answer there is exactly why I wanted to have you on here, and you did a great job explaining, you know, from your inside look of the industry to to people like myself who, you know, and people listening that just don't see that kind of don't see you know under the hood of this this very interesting innovative industry um, that has some weird connotations like you mentioned. But uh, if people just kind of you know actually look, then they'll see the differences and the benefits. So can't thank you enough for explaining. Um, all of this. Um, thanks for being on. One thing I, I just wanted to shout this out and, and put it on the, on the recording is, you know, we've, we've kind of known each other, geez, almost eight, 10 years now. Um, followed you. I know. And, uh, you know, one thing you do amazing, which is inspiring is your charitable giving. So I wanted to shout out to you on that. Um, and you've been doing this for the whole time I've known you. And you know, maybe explain real quick. Uh, and if I, if I'm hearing you right on this is you, you actually post a lot about it. You, 
um, share your, what you're doing a lot about that. Not, and then you don't do that to break. You do that to inspire and show people, you know, what's going on and to, you know, hopefully encourage other people to do that. Am, am I right? Yeah. And I would even kind of, you know, put a healthy attitude spin on that, um, which, you know, I appreciate that. And I'm glad you brought it up because this, my spin on what you said is, is exactly the point of what I'll, is what I'll leave people with right now. And even yourself yeah. as, as a business owner is it's not, I got out of like the inspiring part of it a decade and a half ago. We had a nonprofit over 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, a buddy of mine. And uh, it was successful. We raised a bunch of money. We did well. We tried to make an internet e-commerce based charity, but again, it was early. It was too early. Sure. People didn't understand giving on the internet. It, it was too early once again. Okay. But we were giving away $500 checks, $1,000 checks. People laughed at us when we posted it. They'd be like, yeah. really? You're going to post that you gave away a thousand bucks? I'm like, yeah, we had the news come out even. The news yeah. was here to show us give a thousand bucks. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And people would laugh at us. And I, I knew why. I'm like, listen, I'm not, you know, it is what it is, but at least we're doing something. What are you doing? Exactly. And so the, the twist of that moving forward now is that I'm done with like trying to inspire people. I don't want to inspire anyone. If you need motivation, you know, then you're like, you're in the wrong kind of boat people that are giving back, you know, they're not, they don't need motivation. They're already motivated. What I'm really trying to do now with this and posting and sharing in a healthy way, I'm trying to say, listen, you're not doing business right. If you're not giving 500 bucks or a thousand bucks, because you're missing the point of you can, as a business owner, you can win the game of marketing. You can win the game of customer retention. You can win the game of conversion optimization, meaning when people land on your website, they're converting to a sale. You can use your giving to your profit advantage by showing it properly. You can, and then the, the byproduct of that is people like you, they enjoy your brand. They enjoy your personal brand. They enjoy your corporate brand. They trust your personal brand. They trust your, there's all of this economic profitability benefit to publicly giving back. That's the business side. But the personal side is that who you donated, the people that we donated 30 grand to last week, they don't care that we posted it on our website. They care about the 30 grand they just got. Yeah. So for the people that come back and go, oh, well, you can't, you know, you, you're, you're some type of way because you're, you only do it publicly. I'm like, listen, publicly my 30 grand is turned into like a hundred grand from people that saw me doing it, that, that aren't computer warriors. You know, they actually went and gave 20 bucks, 50 bucks, a thousand bucks. And so that we do it that way. And again, it's, again, it's less of like an inspiration and it's more of like a trigger. I'm trying to trigger people that want to do this stuff, but they may not have the network or they may not just know where to go do it. And a big opens their mind to where to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can go do that. And I'm very encouraging of the business part of it. So I'm very encouraging in my mission as an entrepreneur in the charitable kind of conversation like this. I want to encourage entrepreneurs to follow those steps. I want to, you know, even someone like you, it's go buy, go buy the big cardboard check for 50 bucks with your logo on it and go buy $5 dry erase markers and go give a thousand bucks to somebody uh, to a charity on the behalf of your company, post it, sign it, share it, email it out, put it on your website, put it next to all of your, your important business messaging and watch what that does. Watch the simple, simple, you'll get five emails. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Those customers are never leaving. 
you know, oh, hey, that was so nice of you. Or, hey, man, I really, you know, that was just, you know, and then just like you to me, it's people are watching for years and years, then make it 1200, then make it 2000. Then 10 years later, go to a charity event and drop 25 grand on, you know, random stuff and be that guy, that company that yeah. people are like, who was that? Who was this guy? Who yeah. was that? You know, so I'm very encouraging of businesses to follow those steps of go get the big check, go write a $500 donation, go write a thousand dollar donation, post it. And you, people take it as like, it's being selfish, but I'm like, guys, I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah. So would you, would you say that my entire 15 years of going from a thousand dollars all the way up to, you know, a $30,000 donation. And we've given away like over a million bucks in the last couple of years in different families and charities and coworkers and team members here. We're just, is that all kind of for show or is it really, was it really this true organic buildup of just having like a giving heart and like a servant's kind of mind in your business. But I'm, but I'm not shy about the fact that I'm doing this for business too. Like yeah. this is a very good marketing, it's a win -win. Yeah. but if I'm going to do marketing, I would love to incorporate You're... giving back. Like, if yeah. I'm, you know what I mean? Like if I'm going to come up with marketing practices, I'm going to, I'm going to use that because it's easy. I like it. I enjoy it. I want to give back, but it's definitely helps our business too. But why is that yeah. bad? Why, why exactly. is that? Need to look at the end of the like day, like it's helping to do. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, it's helping someone. So that's why I wanted to shout that out to you. It's uh it's very impressive, man. So, um, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, thanks again, Josh. Really appreciate you being yeah, on here. Have a good rest of the yeah, day. Congrats to you as well. No doubt, man. Thank we'll see you. See you later. Take care. High Point Capital Group is located at 1200 North Mayfair Road, Suite 300, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53226. Phone number 414-253-4600. Securities and investment advisory services offered through SagePoint Financial, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. SagePoint Financial is separately owned in other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of SagePoint Financial. Views expressed here should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned here. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Indexes are unmanaged and investors are not able to invest directly into any index. Sector investing may involve a greater degree of risk than investments with broader diversification. However, there is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio alone will outperform a non-diversified portfolio in any given market environment. No investment strategy, such as asset allocation, can guarantee a profit or protect against loss in periods of declining values. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, information should only be relied upon and coordinated with individual professional advice. Ryan Hitchcock believes the information presented here is accurate and was obtained from sources that are believed to be reliable. However, Ryan does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information, and such information may be subject to change without notice from Ryan. Statements expressed by guests on this podcast are the views of those guests only and not of Ryan Hitchcock. 
statements contained in this podcast may be statements of future expectations and other forward-looking statements that are based on Ryan Hitchcock's or guest current views and assumptions and involve known and or unknown risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results, performance, or events to differ materially from those expressed or implied in such statements. Cannabis is illegal under federal law for any purpose. However, laws at the state level vary significantly from state to state and, in many cases, directly conflict with the federal law. Investing in cannabis may involve greater risks, including but not limited to regulatory, business, currency, and liquidity risk. Laws regulating cannabis are subject to change at any time without warning, and investments could face adverse consequences due to these changes. All investments involve the risk of potential investment losses, and no strategy can assure a profit. Portfolios focused on the cannabis industry may feature companies not directly tied to cannabis production or consumption. Investments in the cannabis industry are not explicitly endorsed by SagePoint Financial or its employees.